Thanks for joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development in our state. Hosted by Jeff Friend and brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. Leadership is defined as one person inspiring another person to take positive action. It could be an elected official, corporate leader, or even your manager, community leader of some sort. How about a parent or your personal mentor? Our next guest is a fine example of a leader. He's president and CEO of Community Development Foundation in Tupelo, Mississippi, David Rumbarger. David brings more than 30 years of economic development, industry recruitment, and Chamber of Commerce experience to the position. CDF covers Tupelo and Lee County, which has experienced exceptional growth, adding more than 12,700 new jobs and more than a billion dollar in new investments. Tupelo region has been recognized as a top 10 micropolitan seven times in the last decade. By Site Selection Magazine, David also received his bachelor's from Auburn University and his master's in economic development from the University of Southern Mississippi, and he holds a management certificate from Duke University. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. I don't know how you find the time to do economic development with all the time you spent in school. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago. As I said in the intro, uh, consider you a very fine example of leadership. You have seen a lot of success in your community, in part due to your efforts. And we know, of course, leadership really is uh, about assembling the right team, having the right people there. In economic development, though, uh, it's not just the local economic developer that would be considered the leader. How do you define leadership in terms of economic development and who needs to be on that team, that leadership team? Well, part of being a leader is uh, painting a, a vivid vision of what a future state could be. And so most of the times in economic development, we're trying to either recruit a company or develop our own community to be able to access recruitment or expansion. And so we have to really broaden that uh, leadership definition to many, many people in one project. There's not a single person that would locate or to expand. A lot of people make those decisions. So you've got to have a compelling vision. And then once you begin to focus on that compelling vision, uh, kind of what's in it for them, you know, kind of paint that picture. This is how you're, uh, you would be able to fit into this vision, how you'd be able to contribute to it, how you'd be able to act help it be realized. And once they can personalize that, I think they can see a part that they play and want to be a part of that process for success. There are a lot of people who need to be involved in the process, especially in economic development and recruiting, corporate recruitment, uh, business expansion, uh, community development. You have the economic development uh, organization, the local one. Uh, the state office is a partner. Folks who work in workforce and also the local leaders, who are some of the other key players? Well, when you talk about local leaders, uh, you, you've got a, a variety of those. You've got folks from t tax assessor uh, all the way to your supervisors, to mayors, to aldermen, to business leaders, uh, and even into the school systems, uh, both uh, post-secondary and uh, K-12 through system. So they have to be kind of focused on your agenda. And uh, a lot of um, leadership is consensus building toward a direction initially. Uh, you know, I've lived in several communities, and part of that first part of getting to know somebody is to get to know what their goals and objectives are for their organization, for their management, kind of find out what, the, what makes them tick. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of interest areas that really could be a benefit to you if you uncover those. And so it's trying to align those areas of interest in the different places to be able to contribute to your ultimate success, which is the community's ultimate success. We live in a highly charged political environment. Mm. Uh, that's just, the, as I would say, a statement of fact right exactly. now. Uh, how tough is it, is it maybe more challenging right now to find that consensus? 
there's a difference in community building that does have a problem there because different people have different priorities in community building on what that might be in a politically charged environment. But uh, the one unifying factor for all sides seems to be jobs and a capital development. Um, clean jobs, uh, you know, there may be definition of, quote, what a good job is, but uh, most of the time a good job is pays the salary at, at the median or better for the state of Mississippi uh, or for your community and a job that uh, pr- provides benefits. And we've been able to take politicians uh, uh, or other folks in the community that really have an agenda that may not be focused on that and then bring them back to the center to say, hey, if we're able to get capital, if we're able to job creation, then there's more wealth in the community to do the things you want to do. So help us accomplish that goal together and contribute your part. Some of the common leadership areas where perhaps communities are not excelling or in some cases failing, and along the lines I'm thinking, you know, are they lacking vision, uh, the consensus you were talking about? Mm-hmm. What are, are there some common traits for, of a successful community versus an unsuccessful community? You know, uh, when you talk about that, there's a lot of literature out there about successful communities and what makes them tick. And uh, I've seen many, many things, and it does boil down to leadership. And so then the question is, is what the what dimension of leadership does it take? Because everybody wants new capital, new jobs. I don't know a community out there that would turn down the right company, you know, whether it's Apple or it's, you know, whoever. But the question is, is how does that work? In other words, Leaders appear when these companies come through sometimes, and so it's kind of a last-minute type thing. But real leadership looks at the marathon of economic development. Uh, Develop your community. What's there to do? Is there a place for them to go? How do you train your workers? How do you train your high schoolers? What kind of career opportunities does high schoolers have? How do they integrate back into the job system? Uh, In other words, it's, it's bits and pieces all along until you really have to count on that leadership to sell that prospect or expand that company, then it's go time. I mean, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the Super Bowl at that point because the consequences of winning or losing are so dire. It's easy to, you know, take a look at that and say, well, we lost that one last time because we didn't have a site. Well, if you didn't have a site, that maybe is what you're working on for the next one, right? So it's that marathon of economic development, all those little things that are contributing during that period of time, and the leadership to accomplish those, the vision to accomplish those, the future state that you're trying to desire to build is true leadership in the community. So it takes all people in that community to buy into that vision. And there will be a few that say, well, you know, I need a bird in a hand. I worked with the governor one time that said, I need a bird in a hand. And, uh, you know, we were able to get almost to that point until we got that bird. And once we got the bird, he was all in. So, again, it works both ways, but it's easier if you take that marathon approach of building to that point instead of trying to, you know, jump through a hoop at that point in time. I don't know if you'd call it going out on a limb, but I know past you've uh, been successful in your corporate recruitment efforts, talking about available sites and buildings. You've gone out and built spec buildings before. Have to now, exactly. And that's that's a gamble on the front end. Right. And how have you been able to market those and what's your strategy in implementing that? And especially getting buy-in and consensus, again, must be challenging. We want to make this investment. I don't have somebody for it right now. But here's our track record of success with uh, using right. this. Right. Well, I'm, I'm working on uh, the last building we built was my seventh available building or shell building or speculative building that I built in the career. 
And uh, each community has been different in their approach. Uh, The community I'm in now, Tupelo, is very proactive. Uh, They see the fact that we have industrial land, we have industrial access in roads, we have uh, industrial water, sewer. And so the only thing we're missing is a building. And we were able to quantify over the last three years how many site selections we were cut out of because we didn't have an available building. Uh, through MDA, Mississippi Development Authority, and Tennessee Valley Authority. We got that number and presented it to our board and presented it to our uh, board of supervisors and said, hey, we can fill this gap and we can take one step closer and be six to 12 months ahead of other communities. And we located the grammar company from Amberg, Germany, in our first shell building in uh, North Mississippi. So we've got two open now, 50 and 100,000 square feet. What we want is you want site seekers options. You want them to be able to say yes in your community, whether it's 100 acres or 50 acres. And larger communities have 1,000-acre tracks to be able to be available for large companies. Our recipe is the smaller companies, the 100 to 500-person uh, plants. Yes, we located Toyota a few years ago when that was kind of a home-run strategy. It's a little different. It was a three-county alliance. But for Lee County, it's, uh, it's really more of those $100 million and up or $100 million and less. And, and some people call it nickels and dimes, but those nickels and dimes have paid great dividends over the years. Call that playing small ball. Exactly. You know, and that, that will win a lot of games for you. And uh, I happened to be at the groundbreaking. Yes, you were. And that was a, a lot of fun. And I remember hearing the story of the, the building and how, looking back on it, thinking you have to go out on that limb, and then it did pay dividends. And it overcomes a lot of other things in your community. If you're not number one in schools, if you're not number one in location, if you're not in the East Coast time zone, you know, it helps overcome some of those minor um, things that may not, may not put you at the top of the list because you've got the major thing, which is a place for them to go. How challenging are those conversations where you, you've identified your weaknesses and having to sit down with those people who it's not your responsibility, it falls within somebody else. They're a partner, though, therefore you want to collaborate with them to overcome come it. How hard is it to get them to, A, understand what that weakness is and to work with you to change it? It kind of goes back to the vision thing. Um, Part of it's um, being able to equate something else that's been successful in a similar manner. Uh, So now with the experience we've had, um, it helps sell that process. But um, we take a trip every year to another place around the country. Uh, we've been to Greenville, Spartanburg. We've been to Huntsville. We've been to many, many other places with our public officials and our board of directors. And uh, we got 15 to 30 people that go on those trips. And every time we go, we, we have a little different group. And it's an, it's an education of what other communities are doing. It's an education of best practices. We pick those places by design uh, because they've succeeded in one manner or another. Uh, Huntsville was a good example of urban renewal. They have done a great job in their downtown development. So has Greenville Spartanburg. And so when you drive through Tupelo, Mississippi today, that downtown area with the flora and the fauna and the new buildings, it's partly a result of us going to Greenville Spartanburg 10 years ago and seeing what they have done and tried to model after them what we wanted to do. You've been working to create a community not only where people want to work or companies want to locate, it's about creating a community where people want to live. Yes, absolutely. We started really about uh, 12 years ago. Um, Richard Florida wrote a book uh, that, you know, basically uh, turned us on to the quality of life piece as being a dimension for uh, both Generation X and uh, Z now and millennials. So people now are young people coming out of school, and my children are the representative of that, 24 and 30. They, they want to go and find a place to live, and then they'll find a job to do. It was opposite when I got out of school. 
uh, you found a job and wherever that job was is where you were going to live. But I think it's a wiser approach for them because they want to have that work-life balance. They want to have the capacity and the community to do what they want to do with their goals in life. So we've really developed them that way. We've, they're goal-driven. Uh, they want to accomplish something in their careers, and they want to choose a community they want to accomplish in it, which is a great compliment. But it makes a, it's a different level of competition now, not just with the plants, but now it's actually for the workforce. Talking a little bit about competition, and you mentioned uh, the recruitment of Toyota, the Polo Alliance. Mm -hmm. Um, How effective and how challenging is it to have those types of alliances? Because Community X is often uh, competing against Community Y, which might be their neighbor for the same project. But yet to come together and collaborate uh, seems to, in many cases, uh, more of a regional approach perhaps, Mm -hmm. though that's Mm -hmm. on a smaller scale, paid some big dividends for your area. You've often said that if we had the first meeting of the Polo Alliance and said, okay, you guys are going to have to uh, bond $30 million worth of land and infrastructure, and it's going to cost your communities, you know, X number of dollars a year to do that, we'd have never gotten off the ground. Uh, Our first meeting was a result of a lot of uh, furniture companies going overseas in our region. We lost 10,000 jobs from uh, 1996 to 2006 in furniture. Predominance of those were in North Mississippi, and we had the headline almost every other week of a furniture company that was either moving or going out of business. So there was a burning platform there. If you study leadership, you know, if you can find one of those burning platforms, then you you have an adequate uh, water source to put that out. You have a solution, then that's what you want to focus on. And so our solution was, hey, look at Jackson, look at uh, Greenville, Spartanburg, look at Montgomery, Alabama, look at Birmingham and Mercedes. Memphis is going to get a shot at an automobile manufacturer. And we are close enough to Memphis, by gosh, to be a part of that labor shed. So should we take our shot? And Honda uh, over in Lincoln, Alabama, actually gave us some encouragement because they're in between Atlanta and Birmingham. They're an hour from both. And so that was a rural location that had been very successful in recruiting uh, Honda Automotive uh, there in uh, Lincoln, Alabama. And so we kind of modeled our approach after that. And it kind of grew from that. We've got options and then we got uh, confirmation of a couple of companies coming through. We got smarter and smarter. We did a lot of due diligence in the uh, engineering. And then lo and behold, uh, Toyota came back around after they had cut us out, actually, when they went to uh, Texas. They came back around for the Corolla plant, and which at the time was the Highlander. And the rest is history on that one. They're, yeah, it's uh, a big deal. Still thriving? It is, it is. And matter of fact, they're getting a getting ramped up for hopefully, um, you know, an expansion here along with the complement of Mazda, Toyota, and Huntsville. A great opportunity for suppliers in the outstanding, region. Outstanding, outstanding. I mean, northeast Mississippi, really all of Mississippi, down from Nissan all the way up, uh, has the potential at this point in time because it's created a whole new automobile corridor in Alabama that Mississippi can be a part of. And that really goes back to recognizing that uh, many of the things we think separate us, these arbitrary borders that mm-hmm. define our county, our city, our state, essentially, you look at a photograph, satellite photo of the earth, and uh, those lines are not there <laughs> unless somebody's added them. Right. Um, and what's good for uh, our neighbor uh, can be good for us as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And that kind of started back when the Saturn location, GM put that out there for uh, uh, general consumption 25 years ago and said, we're going to build a new company and uh, we want everybody to take a look at where it wants to be and you know, put your best deal together and come see us. And uh, they entertained, I, I want to say at the time, 40 some odd presentations from around the country. And they did. Uh, the winning bid was Tennessee, and Lamar Alexander was the governor at that time. And he showed a satellite photograph of Tennessee and said, you know, this is the Nashville metro area, and it was the brightest thing in the south besides Atlanta. And they said, you know, you make a point. 
Is that method becoming more common now? And we've seen the Toyota Mazda process, and that was national headlines, Mm -hmm. Amazon HQ2. uh, Yeah. That one's still ongoing, uh, and a lot of competition from major metropolitan areas. You seeing more of that now from our major companies? It's always been there. Uh, it's probably a little more public now than it's ever been, but it's always been there. And uh, when you get involved in one of those larger projects, um, you pretty much know where your competition is because of the definition of how large the site has to be, how much water, sewer, electricity. I mean, there's only a few that can accommodate that. So. Uh, those are, but the the funnier ones are the ones that the smaller now are getting to that point. You know, twenty five jobs, uh, you know, twelve million dollar investment, and and a lot of small communities want to compete for that. And uh, fortunately, companies are looking. They're not. It's not a trend yet, but they are looking outside the metro areas to some of the rural, more rural areas because of the labor force uh, constraints in those metro areas. They still pay the same that they pay in the metro areas, but there's a little more diversity of labor force when they get to a rural area if they can find a concentration. Talking about leadership traits again, and can you list out a few of the successful traits that communities would have in common, or some of those most important traits? I think the the number one for both existing companies and new companies is organizational stability, whether it's your county, your city, or your ED organization. Uh, they want to be able to go have a go-to person. So um, that go-to person's job really is to develop uh, the community. And if they're always um, looking at where their funding is, where their leadership's coming from, you know, the rotating executive uh, dilemma, that's not a st- stable environment. And uh, Mr. Martin, my predecessor, was there 43 years. I don't know that I'll be there that long, but the longevity and uh, the ability to build that economic development team, to have that uh, successive successes, to be able to walk down that road and find out what your uh, deficiencies are and work on that to overcome. So I'd say some of the stability uh, you know, would be a, a number one uh, preparedness. You know, people say, well, what do you do between, you know, visits by these companies? And I said, well, there's plenty to do. You know, the community has to be prepared. Your your sales pitch has to be prepared. Your people that your leaders that, are, that you invite into those rooms need to be prepared. And we actually do some mock type stuff that, you know, say, OK, this company's looking for X, Y, Z. How will we address that? I can't tell you how many times we met with the community college, with the school system, to talk about refining their message because we don't get two days to sell. We get about two hours if you're lucky. So what are the two or three most important things that the school superintendent is going to say to your prospect if you do a community tour with the schools or a a tour of the schools? So, you know, having that beforehand, going through that and identifying that leader in schools is a key. Looking at community leadership, you know, from that perspective, especially Mm -hmm. with uh, your elected officials, local elected officials, how important is it, especially in your role, to set realistic expectations. Again, you've got those headline-grabbing projects. Uh, one of the bigger ones that we landed in the last couple of years was Continental Tire Absolutely. in Hines County. Great. Lots of attention. It's a major project, 2,500 jobs. And I heard from dozens of communities who said, we want one too. <laughs> not realistic for right. many reasons. You don't have right. the workforce. You don't have the infrastructure there. That's not the type of project that you should be competing for. So how do you work with your officials to set that expectation and make it realistic? Well, And it, it's, it's my formula. I wouldn't recommend it for everybody. But uh, what I do is I get them involved in our operation. I get them educated. Uh, we take them to MEDC. Uh, we're going to have folks at MEDC, the Mississippi Economic Development Council, let them hear those speakers, uh, let them understand what other communities are doing, uh, get to hear some of the war 
stories. Uh, educate them on what we do. Not that they would do it, but that they understand why and how we do it. And then we look at capital and job creation or wealth creation in the community, uh, not just jobs. If a job comes in that pays $75,000, that's three times what an average job pays in Mississippi. So maybe one job at seventy five is worth three jobs at 33 people listening to this podcast, are there some things they can do right now to put their communities or organizations on a pathway to success? Planning. Uh, I know it's a boring subject, but uh, strategic planning, going through the exercise of asking the questions and predicting the answers and perfecting your pitch or your, your community's capacity at this point in time is critical because you don't want to be on that spot trying to do that when you've got a uh, schedule with a client. You want to do that ahead of time, and you want to, if you're going to be involved, get your community leaders involved, uh, let them understand what their role is, let them understand what their point of view is going to be. And what prospects want is communities that work. So you need to find the things that are working in your community and highlight those and then work on those things that don't seem to be working and engage your leadership in that. One of the brightest leaders in economic development in Mississippi, David Rumbarger, president and CEO of Community Development Foundation in Tupelo. Thanks for joining us today, David. My pleasure. Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Entergy, Mississippi Power, Tennessee Valley Authority, Watkins and Eager, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, and produced by Pottery Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDC Info.